Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, how many of you know harvesting last week we talked about where is our field? What your field looks like that God has called you to. How many of you know, though, when you begin to harvest, that harvest is a process? It doesn't take a genius. You can talk to any farmer. They will tell you harvesting is a process, and it's hard. Harvesting, I always think of this. Growing up in South Louisiana, we have cane fields everywhere, sugar cane fields everywhere. Some of my fondest memories as a kid were driving down the road, and on the road to my dad's church when he started a church just like this, we would drive, and there were sugar cane fields all throughout the trip there. And we'd stop because it was five, I'm one of four boys, I'm one of five boys. We would stop and cut the canes and that's what we'd eat for breakfast because like we were poor. So they'd be, <laughs> mom would be like, get a big stalk, get you a big one. And we would, we would eat these stalks, we'd chew on them on the way to church, just something that we'd do. Harvesting is hard. I'm reminded of Christmas morning, I wake up and still to this day when I go home for Christmas, I wake up and the harvesters for sugar cane are not having Christmas with their families. They're out in the field harvesting the sugar cane. It shocks me every year that I go, y'all can't just take off like six hours to go have Christmas with your family. Like everyone else is off. Everyone else is enjoying Christmas. Everyone else is opening presents and they are out harvesting because harvesting is hard and harvesting is a process. Y'all are familiar with process, right? Astros fans. I'm, I'm a Saints fan born and bred, which means I'm familiar with a process. 50 consecutive losing seasons. You, if you're a Saints fan, you're familiar with process, okay? My dad grew up in downtown Houston, and I always used to ask him, Dad, why aren't we Astros fans? We grew up Yankees fans. And I would say, why aren't we Astros fans? And he'd say, son, the Astros broke my heart too many times. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I kept having faith, kept having hope, kept thinking maybe this is the year and from the time I was born until I moved out of Texas, I thought, they're just always going to let me down. I can't handle any more heartbreak. But the Astros had a process, and the Astros figured out the process finally. Amen? And now I am proud to say, I know y'all saying, Christian, you look a little dressed up. You're a little more dressed up than normal. Why you look so dressy? Why you look so dressy? Come on. Hey, tonight is the night that the Astros turn it around. I had some people come up, they go, Pastor Chris, you're wearing like a dressy shirt today. You normally don't dress up like that much. Like, why are you wearing such a dressy shirt? I said, you'll see. I'm just waiting. It's all a part of the act. The process is long. The process is hard. But thank God the process didn't stop with Jeff Bagwell. Amen? Thank God the process didn't stop then. And they said, let's just move the team. Really, what they needed, y'all know what they needed. They needed a Cajun. Come on. They needed a Cajun. To come in and turn this thing around. And we loaned him to you from LSU. You're welcome. Hey, I love Lester Summerall. How many remember Lester Summerall? He was an old preacher back in the day. And he used to say this. He used to say, I never did anything amazing for God. I just did something every day. I never did anything amazing for God. I just did something every single day. I went back to my home church in Lafayette, Louisiana that my dad pastors and the church of about 12,000 in Lafayette and six campuses all across that area. And I'm there and I, I was there when it was like this. Some of you, Jonathan was there when, when it was like this. They had these ugly orange chairs. Y'all don't know, we're spoiled. They had like these really ugly orange plastic chairs like that they stole from somebody or something. They were horrible. They had to get them out of the trash. They didn't steal them from anybody. Nobody wanted those chairs. 
And, and, and I was there when it was like this. And going back now and watching the process of building and sitting there 20 years in and going, man, this is amazing. There's only, let me just give you for, 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 for perspective, there are only 40 churches in America over 10,000 people. Okay, think about that. 40 churches in America of over 10,000 people. So this is a big, anytime you get to that landmark, that's a big deal. So I'm going there and I'm looking around and I had a lot of conversations with people of, hey, how did, how did, I mean, I was in the process. I remember it, but I was a kid. I was 12, 13, 14, you know, I was, how did y'all do it? And my dad said, Christian, we just didn't quit. We just kept doing something every day. We just kept reaching people. We just kept loving on people. We just kept having church. We just kept trying to fix the projector. We just kept trying to, all of the things that happened. And in order to do something great for God, it doesn't mean that you are amazing. It just means that you do the hard work of harvest every single day. Harvest in your family. Harvest at your job. Harvest in your relationships. Harvest in your marriage. Let me say this. You want a great marriage? A great marriage takes great work. A great marriage takes great work. And people oftentimes will look at me and Alex, I have people that come to the church and they meet us and they go, we see y'all and we just go, if we could have that. And I look at them and I go, you don't know the hell I went through to have this. <laughs> I promise, keep whatever you have because it was probably way harder than you think to get what you think that I have because it's a process. Harvest is a process in any area of your life. Jesus knew this. Jesus tells this story in Matthew 13. I love this about Jesus because Jesus, who could have pontificated and theologized and given us all the deep thoughts of eternity in the world, told stories. He was a storyteller. And this is what he says. At the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on a beach. In no time at all, a crowd gathered along the shoreline, forcing him to get into a boat. Using the boat as a pulpit, he addressed his congregation, telling stories. First of all, let me stop there and say, I love that Jesus taught out of a boat because I'm under the deep impression that Jesus was a Cajun, okay? I just, I just feel it in my heart. I know it. He was on a boat probably just catching crabs and fishing. And I mean, he, he probably knew my good friends Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Y'all know Boudreaux and Thibodeau? Y'all know? Boudreaux got some bad news the other day. The police knocked on Boudreaux's door and he opened it up and the, the officer said, man, Boudreaux, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we got some, so we got some bad news, but we got some good news. Boudreaux said, okay, well, I guess, tell me what the bad news is first. He goes, well, Boudreaux, the bad news is your wife passed away. We found her in the bayou this morning. And he said, my God, my God, how could there be any good news? What would the good news be? He said, well, Boudreaux, now listen, before you get too upset, the good news is she was covered in blue crab and we're putting her out again tomorrow. <laughs> I know, bad pastor. I know, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. It's not funny. It's not funny, but I do love blue crab. It's not funny, though. <laughs> Jesus addresses the congregation, and he tells them this. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seeds. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road, and birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a, say with me, ready heart. Ready heart for this. The insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity 
soon disappears. Any chance of receptivity soon disappears. This is why I tell stories. To create readiness, to nudge the people toward the receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and they will not get it. Jesus begins to tell them the process of harvesting. And the process of harvesting, no matter what area of life it's in, starts with the same thing. It starts with a, a seed. You're like, what, a, a man? A, what are you? Some of you look, sometimes when I ask y'all questions, the looks on y'all's face, I wish y'all could see what I see. It's amazing. It starts with a seed. And a seed that the farmer throws out into all kinds of ground. Stony ground, ground with thorns, hard ground, soft ground, fertile soil, all kinds of different soils. And then harvest can take place once that, has had, once that has sprouted and come to fruition. Growth for harvest takes two things, Jesus tells us. It takes seed, good seed, and ready soil. Okay, if you're taking notes, for harvest to happen, two things must happen. You need good seed, number one, and you need ready soil. I think there's a reason Jesus talks about readiness a few times in here. Because the seed is good. You know what the seed is, right? The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. The word of God is the same word of God that has been changing lives since you and I were born and far, 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 far before that. The Bible says the word of the Lord is a double-edged sword, piercing bone from marrow. The word of God is a seed that is a good seed and it is constantly doing what God created it to do. Nothing is wrong with the seed. Which brings us to an important question. If nothing is wrong with the seed, then why isn't everybody saved? Why isn't everybody a Christian? Why doesn't everybody love Jesus? Why isn't everyone loving their neighbors themselves? Why isn't everyone doing what they can to help in their community? Why isn't everyone doing what they can to reach their coworkers? Why isn't everyone doing it if there's nothing wrong with the word of God? Maybe you've thought that. God, if you're so good, then why doesn't everyone just love you naturally? Why isn't it just work all the time? And Jesus begins to present to us an idea that the disciples were still trying to figure out. They didn't understand. The next chapter, I encourage you to go read it on your own. They sit with him and they go, Jesus, what does this story even mean? How do you, tell us, help us explain this story. And Jesus begins to break down the story for them. He says, the seed is the word of God. Nothing is wrong with the seed. It's word straight from God's mouth. The problem is never with the seed. However, the problem can oftentimes be with the readiness of the soil with the readiness of the soil. You ask any farmer, there are two very important components of planting. It's having something to plant and having something to plant it in. Having something to plant, a seed, and having a place to plant it in, ready ground. But sometimes the ground isn't ready. Sometimes the, the ground is hard and it's not fertile. Sometimes the ground is difficult to plow in. You remember the movie Old Yeller where that kid, do you guys watch Old Yeller? Any of y'all just hate yourself so you watch Old Yeller when you're older? You're like, let me go back and revisit that. Maybe he doesn't kill the dog at the end this time. Like maybe, maybe his mom's like, oh, don't worry about it, Ben. You could just let him go. Like, it doesn't happen. He kills the dog every time, just so you know. But in that, they're plowing. And I always think, I love the image of these kids out there plowing and seeing what it was like then. 
When they're on the plow and the horse is pulling it and their hands are blistered and, and the kids out there trying to work this plow because the ground is difficult and the ground is hard and the ground won't give like they need it to and so they have to work the ground. I love what Thomas Edison says. We often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. We often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. The soil is our life. God's desire for our life is this, Matthew 5, 16. This is God's desire for the soul of our life. At the end of fruition, once harvest has come, he goes, listen, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He goes, the whole purpose of all of this, the planting of the seed, the reading of the soil, is so that at the end of it, when you drive by the field of your life, people can go, wow, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Look at what God did. Look at these sugar cane fields. I love being a kid and knowing someone else planted a seed in that field. Someone else grew that sugar cane. Someone else tended to it. Someone else plowed the ground. I just had the benefit of driving by and cutting down a stalk and chewing on it as a kid. What is that? It's this. Let your life shine before men so that people will be able to chew on your life. So that people will be able to go, God, I want some of that. I want joy like that. I want peace like that. I want hope like that. I want whatever it is that they have. God's desire is that once the seed is in our soil, that we become fruitful and that people would look at our life and give praise not to us, but to God. But that verse is a process. That verse is a process. How do you get from seed to shine? How do you get from seed in the ground to let your light shine before men? Because scripture says it really easy, and you go, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. But guess what's in the middle of that? Forgiveness is in the middle of that. Harvest is in the middle of that. Restitution's in the middle of that. Painful experiences are in the middle of that. Addictions are in the middle of that. Working through marriage is in the middle of that. Learning how to process the pains of life is in the middle of that. All of these things come between plant the seed in good soil and let your light shine before men. And it's a process that each and every one of us are in. No one is immune to it. Hey, if you're here today, we are a church of people who are in process. None of us are there. I'm not there. Listen, I serve on the dream team like everybody else. God just gave me a gift to communicate and lead, and so this is what I do. But I'm on the dream team just like anyone that's setting up, and I get here and set up with them. This is a process, and we are all in process. God's design in the process is not to change the seed. God's design in the process is to change the soil. Not to change the seed, but to change the soil. What is soil? Soil's dirty. Soil, soil how many of you grew up in the country? I mean, we're in Tomball, so we're still kind of country for the next like three years maybe, okay? Soil is dirty. Soil is messy. Soil, when it rains, gets, it turns into sludge. I'm a huge hunter. I'm a massive, I live, hunting season is about to start and I can't wait. I'm just like, I wait every year. My son counts down the days. And he wakes me up when we get about this point almost every morning and goes, is it hunting season yet? Not yet. 12 more days, okay. 13 more, 30 more days. He started asking me in January, okay, when hunting season was just ending, when is hunting season? I'm like, we just finished. We got like six months before we start again. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I can wait six months. And I would go out and hunt as a kid, and I'd go out, and, and in, in South Louisiana, our soil is a little different than maybe the soil here. We have, like, swamp, 
just sludge soil. And I would sometimes be walking in the soil and I would sink in my waders up to like my hips. And if you've never been stuck in the marsh up to your hips, you've never been stuck. Am I right, Jonathan? You have never been stuck unless you've been stuck in the marsh up to your hips because you can't get out. You have to, we would take two by fours and put them down our legs and try and pry ourselves out. Most of the times you had to just slide out of your waders if you got stuck like that and just call it a day. And then you're just hunting in your drawers. So <laughs> soil is dirty. Soil is messy. Soil is hard. Soil takes work. And it's very easy for us to see that when it's the soil of a field, but it's hard for us to understand it when it's the soil of our life. God has all of us in a process, and the process is meant to disrupt the soil. You ever look at those big augers when the farmers use, and they put it down in the ground, and it begins to turn the ground. And it begins to, if you work in the oil field, you've seen it, and they dig deep down there, and, and it takes the hard ground. And, and man, it's like first it's like breaking through concrete. But then once it turns for a while, then it's soft. Then it becomes something you could plant in, you could dig through, you could use to fill dirt, you could. But it takes a process of softening the ground. Jesus makes it very clear that the soil is our lives. And if we want harvest to come from our lives, we must allow God to first work on the soil of our hearts. And that's easy for all of us to say yes to today. Yes, God, work on me. God, use me. You ever prayed that prayer? God, use me, God. I want to just work on my life, Jesus. Just anything you don't like. If there's anything that's not pleasing. And God's like, okay, cool. Stop talking to your wife like that. You're like, wait, what? That wasn't, I said the soil of my life, God. Like, can't we just plant together and worship together and just like me and you just sing and, okay, cool. Be kinder to your kids. God, but you don't know my kids. <laughs> my kids are on crack, God. <laughs> My kids aren't on crack. I'm just, <laughs> I said that and I'm like, someone's going to leave here and be like, I wonder if his kids really do crack. You'd laugh. I've had worse questions after church. Uh, God, work on me. Okay, be nice to the people you work with. Be patient in traffic. Wave at the person that cut you off instead of getting out of the car and cursing them out. I know y'all have never done that in Houston, traffic. I know. I know you've never, nobody's ever cut you off and you've gone to tell them what was up and saw it was maybe somebody from church and, you know, just, hey, praise the Lord, love you, bless you. Good to see you. See you Sunday, set up, awesome, see you there. Be kind to those that hurt you. Love those who speak bad about you. Do good to those who would harm you and hate you. It's easy to say, Jesus, work on the soil of my life so that I can have harvest. It's hard to go through the process of Jesus working on the soil of your life. God is constantly readying our soil. How does he ready it? He readies it with heartbreak. He readies it with disappointments. He readies it with frustrations. He readies it with rains that you go, God, how could this be happening to me? I feel like life is collapsing around me. I feel like I'm caught in the worst storm ever. And you know what God says? He says there's a way to soften hard ground, and it's called rain. And when it rains, it prepares the soil for the seed so that harvest can one day come from the seed that's planted. If it's raining in your life, if you're walking through disappointment, if you're experiencing heartbreak, God is readying the soil of your heart for a harvest that only he can imagine. Whenever you start a church like this, people always ask me. I get this question all the time. People say, Christian, 
how do you start a church? And that is a great question. How many of you ever wondered that? How do you just start a church? You start a church by saying, we're going to start a church. And then you sit in Starbucks and wait for people who look like they need friends. Okay. That's what you do. <laughs> and if I met one of you, if any of those are you person that was in Starbucks, you needed a friend and look at all the friends you got now. Okay. You're welcome. You start a church one person at a time. It's a process. It's a process. God is constantly working on that process. And when you do something like this, you get to see the harvest. I love what he says. He says, if the soil is good, you'll produce a harvest greater than what you could imagine, some 10, some 100, some 1,000 fold. Once God can get our soil to the right place, we begin to produce harvest trying to see who all's here so I can do a demonstration or not. I will tell you a story. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm going to tell you a story. Some of you have heard, uh, I was meeting, let me say that, I was meeting with a guy the other day and we're having a conversation and we're, we're having coffee and we're just talking pastoral stuff. And he goes, I said, hey, how'd you get to the church? How'd you, he goes, well, my, my sister, you know, my, my, my girlfriend brought me. I said, well, how did she get to the church? And he said, well, her sister brought her. And I said, oh, that's awesome. Who's her sister? He told me. I said, man, that's amazing. Because what I knew was her sister and, and their boyfriend came because of somebody else. And that person came because of somebody else. And that person came because Holly talked to him in a Starbucks one day because they looked like they also needed a friend. <laughs> And what you realize is once harvest is right in your heart, the harvest you produce is not things that are tangible. It's relationships. It's people. It's the things that the kingdom of God needs. And the kingdom of God uses relationships as a currency. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom of God. So if you've ever said, God, what does harvest look like in my life? God wants to bring people into your life to show you what harvest looks like. Harvest isn't something that you do today and tomorrow. It's there. You plant, I remember my son, this is how we taught. How do you teach, you ever, you ever have concepts that are hard to teach children? Some of you teachers know what I mean. You just say stuff and they, you, you forget that they naturally don't know what that means. You know, you go, be patient. And Eli would ask me, what does patience mean? And I was always convicted when he'd ask it to me because I'm like, we both still trying to figure it out to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I don't really know. I'm 33, I will be 33 on Wednesday, okay? Uh, come on, woo, 33 on Wednesday. I have to tell you all this story. We have our marriage small group on Friday nights. And we said, let's celebrate your birthday. You know, let's do a little marriage small group birthday celebration. Okay, cool. So my wife goes, I'm going to go get your cake. Well, I was running out to do errands. I'm a grown man. I don't need my wife to get my cake anymore, okay? I said, hey, I'll get my cake. She says, no, I, I want to get it. I said, no, 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 I want to get it. She goes, well, what kind of cake do you want? I'll go get it. So I'm trying to explain to her the kind of cake, and halfway through, I just go, you know what? I'll just go get the cake. Because you know your spouse. You know what they naturally like, and you know it's probably not what you would naturally like. She's like, do you want a chocolate cake? I'm like, that's the only cake I don't eat. Like, I don't like chocolate cake. I don't know. Like, she's like, so you want it? Like, I, what I, I'm like, let me just get the cake. I'll go get the cake. So I go run errands. I go into HEB. I get the cake, and on the way to HEB, I realize that if I'm getting my cake, then that means I can put anything I want to on my cake. And so I go up and I said, hey, can you guys write on this birthday cake? I picked out the cake that looked like I wanted to eat it at that moment. And I said, hey, can you guys write on, on the cake for me? And the guy goes, yeah, for sure. So he goes and gets the, the cake writer. I don't know. I don't know how, you, how they do it, but it's impressive. And the lady comes up and they're both standing there. So they said, okay, what do you want on the cake? I said, um, can you put like 
I don't know off the top of my head, happy birthday to the greatest human being ever. <laughs> and the lady goes, oh, that's so sweet. Who's that for? <laughs> I said, ah. Uh. So the thing about it is, it's for me. And she starts dying laughing and she goes, oh, that would be funny if that were true. <laughs> Who's it really for? Oh, so my wife was at home and she said, go get your cake. And I said, I'll get my own cake. It's really for me. <laughs> we laughed. The guy laughed. They wrote it on the cake. I get to the checkout counter. The exact same thing plays out again. The lady opens the cake to make sure I'm not hiding socks or something in it, I guess, and goes, oh, happy birthday to the greatest human being ever. Who's this for? Well, you see, the thing about it is you should ask the cake lady. Um, <laughs> we... <laughs> I am going to be 33, and I'm still learning patience. And Eli would ask me, Dad, what does patience mean? And the only way I had to describe patience to him was they had just done a project in kindergarten. The project we all do, where you take a little styrofoam cup, you plant a, you plant a bean sprout in it, you know what I mean? And you let the bean sprout grow out of it, and then you think you're going to keep it forever. And you're just like, this is going to be in my yard. I'm going to plant it. We're going to eat the fruit of it. And your mom throws it away, and you never see the bean sprout again. No, when you guys experience, all right, hey, I'm one of five boys. Everything got thrown away. Um, they, we would plant these things. So I would tell Eli, you know that bean sprout in there? Because he would check it every day. He'd come to it. What is it? Is it growing? Is it growing? I'm like, dude, it takes a couple days to like grow. He's like, how many? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a horticulturist. I don't know what it is, okay? I just know it's not today. So we'd go back every day. Is, the, is it growing? Is it growing? Is it growing? Finally, it would grow. And so he would ask me, what is patience? And I would say, remember how we had to wait for your flower to grow? Like that process, yeah, okay. Like we'd wait and then we check it and you wait and you check. Yeah, that's like, that's like patience, okay? So it's just like you gotta wait till it's right. You gotta be patient. And he would always go like, oh, okay. So anytime I'd say, hey, be patient, he'd go like when we planted the flower. Yes, like when we planted the flower. The flower is a process. The harvest is a process. Our life is a process. Your salvation is a process called sanctification. Your journey with Jesus is a process. Your marriage is a process. You learning how to be a great parent is a process. You learning how to be a good friend is a process. You reaching the people in your life is a process. You loving others as you love yourself is a process. And it's a process that God uses to produce a harvest. Everyone wants harvest, but a lot of us don't love process. You ever meet those old married couples that you go, God, how long have I been married? Been married 80 years. I'm like, Joe, get married at 10? What was, how, how young, what was the age limit then? I don't know what. We've been married 50 years. We've been married. Wow. And I always ask them, what is the secret? Because I've been married almost 10 years. And 40 more years of the first 10 years seems like a Dateline episode. <laughs> Or hard jail time. And all the wives said, amen. And they would say to this to me, oh, you know. They say that, mind you, they say that after 50 years. Okay, I'm sure they didn't say that at 10 years. Oh, you know. You just, you just keep loving. You just keep learning. You just. And I would always ask them, I said, did you ever think about stopping? Did you ever think about quitting? Did you ever want to give up? Did you ever? And they go, give up? Sometimes, I promise you, I'm not making this up. Probably, probably 90% of people I ask to say this, give up? No. 
Murder? Yes, a lot. Everybody wants the old story, the 50-year marriage, to sit on your porch and watch your kids play in the backyard, but nobody wants to go through the process of what it takes to get those things. What am I saying? Everybody wants God to do something in our lives. Everybody wants God to work in your family. Everybody wants God to touch the people close to you that you care about. Everybody wants God to do something that can have a harvest and that you can go, wow, I helped in some way to create the kingdom of God on earth. All of us want that in our hearts, but we've got to be comfortable with the process that it takes to get there. And sometimes you go through things in life that if you don't label the process, you'll get angry with God. If you don't understand the process, you'll get frustrated with the farmer. If you don't understand the process, you'll hate the rain. If you don't understand the process, when the auger starts digging deep inside of you, you'll go, this is too painful, please stop, I don't want this. And what you don't realize is, is God is digging things into you and out of you that if he does not do it, the harvest will never come. He goes on in this to say, some of these seeds fell in weed patches. And when the harvest sprouted up, the weeds sprouted up with it and choked it out. I think some of us need to realize that painful seasons in your life is God weeding things out of your life now that would choke you out later. Some of you have mourned relationships going, God, why did you take this relationship from me? Why didn't they just love me? Why couldn't they accept me? And God's going, it had nothing to do with you. I'm tending the soil of your life. And if I don't remove this, it will choke you out in a short time. Yes, that's a great place to clap. Joey, you can come up as I close. I think, like I started off saying, if we will label attacks from the enemy, attacks from the enemy, we won't get mad at the tool, we'll get mad at the enemy. When, when, when the stress comes and the anxiety, and let me just tell you this, because a lot of us are going through it right now, and I'm in it too. These last two weeks have been two of the roughest weeks of the last 10 years of my life. And if we don't understand it, we'll get frustrated with God over it. And I was talking to one of my pastors, and he said to me, he said, Christian, you know how you know it's the enemy attacking you? I said, no, but please tell me. <laughs> he said, when there's just overwhelming emotions and you don't even know why they're there. You're stressed for no reason, anxiety for no reason, anger for no reason. It seems like stuff that you could have walked through a year ago and it wouldn't have phased you. For some reason, there's an overwhelming attack on your emotions that you just go, why in the world is this even happening? I have not lost my temper. Now, let me say this. Your pastor has a temper. Can I just confess? Your pastor has a temper. I've learned to manage it well throughout my life. People always go, you're never mad. I'm like, that's very good for all of us. <laughs> that is very good for all of us. I know how to turn it on, and I know how to make it lie dormant for a long, 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 long time. I lost my temper this week by, my, by myself, just by myself. And I thought, what in the world? Where did this even come from? What is this even about? God, I haven't lost my temper since I was in the military. I mean, this was like, what is God spoke to me and said, Christian, there's things in your heart that are lying dormant that if I don't get out of there, will choke you out when the pressure's really on. They'll choke you out when the stress really hits. They'll choke you out when you need to be patient and it's really life or death. They'll choke you out when you think you've managed it and you think you've dealt with it, but I've gotta dig down deep in the soil of your heart so that your soil is ready for the seed. Some of you are walking through things now 
that you go, Christian, I don't understand what I'm walking through. I don't understand why this pain, why this frustration. It feels like God is just doing open heart surgery on me and I don't understand it. And I want you to know he's doing it because he's readying the soil of your heart for harvest. He's readying the soil of your heart for harvest. He's readying it for your marriage. He's readying it for your children. He's readying it for your grandchildren. He's readying it for your coworkers. He's readying it for those who will eat the fruit of your harvest. And that when they take that fruit and they eat it, they don't go, God, this tastes bitter. But that they say, like Matthew 5, 16, that men would see your life and glorify your Father in heaven. That people would eat the fruit of your life and go, God, this fruit is good. Only God could make fruit this good. God, this tastes sweet. Only God could make fruit this sweet. And then the stories of your life, when you tell them, people won't go, wow, how did you make it through that? That's amazing. Look at the awesome human that you've become. They'll go, only God could do this in your life. Only God could walk you through this process. Only God could produce the harvest inside of your life. Only God. It's probably seven years ago, walking through a dark time. That I sat on my bed like all of us and thought, why am I even here? God, God, am I even supposed to be here? Should I just end this myself? Should I quit, walk away from everything? Should I, God, why am I even here? Six, seven years down the road, I realized God was readying the soil of my heart for you. He was readying the soil of my heart for you. And sitting on that bed in Lafayette, Louisiana, going, God, I can't do this can't do this. I want to quit, God. I just want to give up. I want to quit on life. I want to quit on my marriage. I want to quit. I just want to quit. I want to walk away. I want to go live in Alaska in a cabin by myself. Like I just want to, I want to end it or be by myself for the rest of my life. That God spoke to me. Christian, I'm readying your heart for something more. The harvest that's coming is more than what you see in the moment. The pain you're going through now will produce more than what you could ever imagine. Because when people walk in here and go, how do you build a church? How do you start a church? You start a church through a lot of mess, a lot of soil, a lot of dirt, a lot of digging, a lot of frustrations, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of pain, and then people eat from the fruit of what God does inside of your life. Harvest is hard. Harvest is messy. Harvest is not easy. But harvest is so worth it. If you're sitting here today and God's done something in your life at Valley Rise Church, you're the fruit of a lot of heartbreak. You're the fruit of a lot of rain. You're the fruit of a lot of digging. And you get to enjoy the fruit of someone else's tree while God prepares you so that others can enjoy the fruit of your tree. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you don't cause pain for no reason. That you are a farmer and you're tending the field of our heart like only you can, God. You're readying the soil of our lives. The storms of life that we go through, the painful things that we walk through, 
God, you are readying the soil of our heart. You're preparing us for things that we can't even imagine. The harvest, ten, a hundred, a thousandfold. More than what we could ever imagine, God. God, let us never be afraid of the process. Give us endurance. Your word says we have need of endurance so that once you have completed the process, we will receive the reward. God, give us endurance in the process. Give us endurance in the process. That as we walk through this, not only will we see you do something in us, but we'll see people eat the fruit of our lives. Jesus, we love you. I'm so thankful. You are a good farmer, and you do tend our soil. You know what we can take. You know the amount that it takes us to grow. You know what will kill us. You know the things you need to strip from us. You know, God, you know it all. God, let us never quit in the process because it's too difficult. Let us embrace it with the hopes of harvest. Jesus, we love you. And today, we say work on the soil of our heart. God, pull out the things that you never intended to be there. Strip away the things that you know we don't need. Right now, they seem good, but God, you know the harm they can do to us shortly down the road. God, I'm so thankful that you didn't let me stop on that bed in Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm so thankful that you continue to work the harvest of my life, the soil of my heart, so that now we could be here together, God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be some of you here today that go, Christian, my heart, God's been reading the soil of my heart. And it's been painful. Christian, it's been hurtful. The storms of life, Christian, have flooded me out. And in this process, Christian, I've wanted to give up. And I just need you to pray for me that I can hang in the process. That I won't quit. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you because I know we're all going through it. I get it. Dear God, you see each and every hand. I pray strength. I pray endurance. I pray understanding. I pray foresight, God, into what you're doing into their lives. I pray that you would speak to them like only you can, that you would encourage them like only you can, that you would bless them and breathe on them like only you can. That, God, the harvest that comes from this season of pain would be greater than the pain than what they've experienced. That the joy that comes out of the harvest would make the pain look minuscule. Refresh them, revive them, and breathe on them today, I pray, God. Now, there's those of you here today that maybe you're just going, Christian, I've never even started that process with God. I've never started that process. Maybe it's because of things that happened to you. Maybe it's because of the storms of life. Maybe it's because of, but Christian, I want there to be purpose in my pain. I want God to harvest me. I want God to work in me. I want him to prepare my heart my marriage, my friendships, my relationships. I want that, God. Every head bowed, every eye closed between you and Jesus. All I want you to do, if that's you and you say, today, Christian, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? I'm not going to call you up or anything. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen.
And we're going to pray together. You can repeat this after me. You can say it under your breath. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. As long as you mean it is what I ask. Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize my need for you. I realize that you're doing something in my soil. That you're readying my heart. And today, Jesus, I respond. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to live a perfect life. Then I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins so that I wouldn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life and freedom in you. Today, Jesus, I choose you to serve you, to love you, and to allow you to tend the soil of my heart. Now, God, you see each and every person that prayed that prayer in their heart, those that raised their hands. God, I pray that you would work in them like only you can. God, tend the soil of their heart. Draw them close to you. Let them experience joy like they've never experienced, hope like they've never experienced, peace like they've never experienced. Let this be the greatest season they ever walk through, Jesus. And as they begin to see the harvest of their life, may people around them look and give credit to their Father in heaven. Bless them, keep them, watch over them, protect them. God, guard our people, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.